It's January 31st, 2022. This is Rook. We are back live post-Christmas and COVID cancellations and joined by a woman who has made it her mission to bring the works of the great Persian poet Nezami and the ancient story of Khosrow and Shirin to a mass audience in an accessible way. Manafshir Tahirian is an Iranian-Canadian writer and actress who will join me here in the Rook studio to tell her story and discuss her popular podcast. Plus, it now looks like Team Meli and Team Canada will both be involved in the World Cup. Be still my heart. Meridad Ahmadpour is here to debrief and a review of Dubai, remembering Dr. Shahi Nouri and your letters all coming up. This is Conversations from, to, and about the Iranian diaspora. I'm Gian Gomeshi. This is Rook. Hi there. Welcome to episode 165 of Rook Sadoshasto Panj Kianjun. Wow. Yeah. Baladi I'm just I'm, I'm helping you with the numbers. <laughs> you are actually. Still helping you. I struggle with the numbers. Hope you are keeping well wherever you're tuning in from around the world. Hello to you from Toronto, Canada. Live. Salam. Dustana Aziz Durud Bashuma. We have been posting new episodes of the Contemporary History of Iran, but this is the first new uh, live, quote unquote, live edition of Rook since December. We've been hobbled by some illnesses. Uh, then I went away. Uh, it's very good to have us all reconvening. And uh, what a show we have for you. First of all, hello. let me say hello to the gang. Uh, Captain Reza. Hello, sir. Hello, sir. Hello. I think Captain Reza <laughs> with his shades in, in the darkened studio. Hey, his shades. Yeah. Part of my personality. Six dollar shades <laughs> hanging 20, from his 20 bucks. neck amongst his chains. I didn't realize <laughs> ASAP Rocky was uh, the fabulous Keon. Hi, Gian. Hello, Keon. And Groovy Shia. Hi, Hello, Hi, how are you? I'm okay. Nice to see you. What a show we have coming. By the way, Shia, if people have seen, we posted a video just now of the show coming up, and Shia with the beard, with the whole Sikh getup. He looks like Nezami himself. That's right. I don't know. I mean,. You got your Halloween costume ready pretty early. Uh, does it not, uh, I mean, this massive beard that you've yeah. uh, accomplished, does yeah. it not get in the way of your morning cereal or <laughs> some amorous nights with your girlfriend? Or I mean, how do you navigate this whole thing? <laughs> Sometimes when I see myself into the mirror, I want to teach some spiritual thing to myself. <laughs> <laughs> Word of wisdom. Yeah. It's not just you that uh, sees you that way. We see you that way as well. I'm curious. How long did that take you to grow? Uh, less than a year, actually. That's it. Yeah. When I met Shia, this was two years ago.
ago. He fresh face. I know. Cute, <laughs> like, young guy. Yeah. He's now Gandalf. <laughs> you know, and it's true. Like, you, you walk by Shy and mm-hmm. you just want to ask him questions Question. that you know he knows nothing about. You know, so how will Team Melly do in the World Cup? <laughs> they have a chance. <laughs> He's spoken. Yeah. <laughs> uh, here's what we have coming up uh, Banaf Shetaharion is going to come into the Rook studio here with us in just a little bit the Iranian Canadian actress and uh, voiceover artist how well do you guys know the story of Khosrow and Shirin did uh, you know it growing up I knew of it yeah I know because there's Leili and Majnun which is the famous story yes right? yes. and then Khosrow and Shirin is not as I, I thought it was the same thing just different <laughs> names I sort of it got it sounds like, similar I, I love I, me, I, the reason the I, I have Reza on the show is to make me feel better about <laughs> knowing so little about my own Sick background idiot yeah. that I am uh, so and what about you, do you uh, uh, the story yeah. or uh, Nizami yeah, how, how well do you know I don't I like Reza I thought it was basically the same as uh, Leili and Majnun <laughs> so you're surrounded yourself with people to make you yeah. <laughs> yeah, to me, I, I, I think I'm so brilliant because you guys know nothing I, so Khosru and Shirin yeah well, okay well it's a star-crossed lover mm-hmm. story it's a romance it's this it's Nezami and Banafshe Taharion I mean we we all know, meaning even globally, that mm-hmm. Hafez, Rumi, these these names are are Omar Khayyam. They're names mm-hmm. that are popular internationally, but Nezami, mm-hmm. not so much. So she's been on this campaign. She's done this podcast. It's become very popular in Farsi over the last couple of years, I guess, mm-hmm. during COVID, yeah. where she adapts and retells the story of Khosrow and Shirin. Uh, and you, we know, you know Ben Afshe. You've of worked course, with her. Yeah, and lovely she's, girl. Uh, I think for a lot of Iranian Canadians, they would recognize her and recognize her voice. Anyway, she's coming in. We'll talk about her story and talk about uh, the story of why why the character Shirin in particular so, so much appeals to her. In a few minutes, we're going to talk about the World Cup. It's been quite a week if you're a football fan and, uh, you know, if you're Canadian or Iranian, oh, yeah. <laughs> and if you're Iranian-Canadian, it's through the roof because <laughs> both Team Meli and Team Canada, I mean, Team Meli officially now has has reached the World Cup. I see, he says, yeah. He didn't know. <laughs> he had when no clue. Reza walked in today out. and Kia and I were talking about it. He's like, oh, what happened? The t- it's like, that, it's like literally the only Iranian in the world who doesn't know that Team Meli <laughs> is qualified. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I wasn't home for a few days. So if I was home, where I were you? I was on set working on okay, oh, yeah. stuff. Yeah, you don't I, the and, news? And, and like news doesn't. Yeah, social media. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, and also, you know, before the end of the show, I also want to remember uh, something else that happened in the last couple of days. This on a, a sad note, uh, our dear Dr. Shahin Nuri passed away this weekend. The outstanding Iranian American neurologist who was on our show only just three, four, four or five months ago. He was only in his fifties. He was given a few months to live unless he found a stem cell transplant amongst Iranians, his fellow Iranians. Uh, Sadly, he did not find that transplant, but his campaign, which is so essential in in terms of uh, trying to build a stem cell bank of Iranians in Iran and around the world continues. We'll talk about him before the end of the show. And we have letters. Yes, yes. It's piled up in the last few weeks. It has piled up. It's been a while. We are coming to you on rookmedia.com. It's there that you can link to all of our platforms. We're on this ongoing mission to build a a new audiovisual encyclopedia of Iranian diaspora identity. We are on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Instagram, CastBox. If you'd like to see some visuals with Rook, you can switch over to YouTube right now. 
And if you like your Rook descriptions and bulletins in both English and in Persian, check us out on Telegram. The handle on all of those is Rook Media, as is our website. Now, if you go to our website, rookmedia.com, there is a way that you can support us, and we really uh, appreciate and need the support. You can become a patron for uh, 10 bucks a month. Uh, it means a lot to us. Just go to rookmedia.com and press the support us button, rookmedia.com, a website that we hope you check out anyway. Um, so good to see you, Kianjun. It's good to see everybody. Are you willing to now take responsibility for the fact that you basically gave us all COVID? I was waiting for this. I promise <laughs> you, I did not have COVID. You definitely gave me COVID. I didn't have this regular Kian, on the air, we have shows from early December. I mean, I, the, I spent the last two months people going, well, of course you got COVID. I could hear it. As Kian was like, ah, I did not have I'm COVID. fine. Everything's good. It, it was a cold. People could literally hear the moment you gave us COVID. <laughs> Wait, nobody, not my boyfriend, not my family, nobody got COVID or thing. a cold. Why for are that you matter. being so defensive? I swear it's to not God. your fault. <laughs> Justin Trudeau now has COVID. Everybody I, got I actually you, wish you, I did. So you got just COVID. Just to get it over with. You were sick for a month. <laughs> you couldn't get up from bed. It was a cold. That was something separate. Cold, yeah. that, was, that was a whole. Seven. I think this, I was depressed that day. Shia <laughs> with the beard and everything, he somehow escaped the whole Rook team. I know. Yes. We were all down for the count except for Shia. Except for Shia. It's I the beard. Yeah. It protects. It's like a mask yeah. in itself. He's got he's like a magic carpet or something he's got. I don't know what he's doing. Uh, it's that insulation. But, it really grabs all the germs. Uh, I, uh, I did. I had, so I had to cancel my plans. I was supposed to over Christmas go to Dubai yeah. and then do some meetings in Istanbul and stuff. Had to move all of that because of Keon's COVID. Because <laughs> of the COVID that I contracted I from someone. I don't know who. Uh, mind you, you had it too, Reza. That's right. I mean, I you, swear it's from he Reza. literally had it. He had it before. And in. he gave it to all of us. I didn't even yeah. come in. I called and said, I need a scapegoat. <laughs> <laughs> I need someone to blame. It won't for be me. I tell you that much. Uh, yeah, but that's true because Reza was running. First of all, you both of you though. I mean, you were running around. Uh, you know, Keon, yeah. you were you were literally the only person I know who's out every night uh, doing something. Where social. do I go? And then and sniffling and coughing the whole time, going, No, 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 I'm fine. Everything's I, my boyfriend's a doctor, as if that makes it that you're not you don't have COVID. That's her protected. Mask. Yeah, she doesn't wear a mask because of it. Yeah, she's like, oh, my boyfriend's yeah, a doctor. He'll take care of it, right? She has you like tuberculosis, but her boyfriend's a doctor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like that's not even what I do, honey. <laughs> He's got a shot ready, running after Kion. But you went uh, to Dubai, right? You know? I did. I did. I'm going to get into oh. Dubai, my trip to Dubai. I have some thoughts on on Dubai, and I have some. <laughs> I definitely have some. I, you know what I've decided. I'm gonna. My, I think I want my job to be going around and and rating Persian restaurants. Oh, you know, really? You know I'm Sheikh Hamu. I yes, love my yes, Persian I food. I, I always have. And uh, I remember back in the days when in Toronto we only had two or three Persian restaurants, and uh, I can name them. I can tell you where I sat. You know. <laughs> now, of course, Toronto is this mecca, this mm, epicenter yeah. of Persian restaurants, and I'm learning that short of Iran or maybe even better than Iran is the food in Toronto the Persian food you can find because I thought going to Dubai you're gonna find amazing I'd be so close to Iran mm. Bandar Abbas is just across yeah, the yeah, water yeah. there yeah. you know I thought and no no, no. Uh, let me, wow. I'll get into it let's first though um, talk some football and then we've got Banaf Shetahari waiting as well so 
Let me bring in uh, Mayor Dodd. Uh, come on, come on in, Mayor Dodd. He's waiting to come in here. You know, it's been a huge week in terms of uh, qualifications for the 2022 World Cup of Football being held in Qatar uh, later this year. As I was saying, if you're Iranian or Canadian or you're a football fan, you're you're pretty stoked about some of the possibilities coming up. Of course, being an Iranian football fan is complicated too, based on. Uh, how you might feel about the government, the regime, what's happening in Iran. I want to bring you uh, our resident Rook media football expert. He's been on a couple of times to talk football, a lifelong student of football, as well as being a fan. Mer Dodd Ahmad Poor is an Iranian documentary filmmaker. He's the man behind the award-winning doc Badha's Silence. Uh, he runs a football website in Farsi called Student of the Game, and he's done this beautiful series of videos called The Art of Football. And right now, Mer Dodd Ahmad Poor joins us in the Rook studio. Hello. Hi, Jian. Nice to have you back here. Thank you for having me here. Step a little closer to the mic there, buddy. There you go. Uh, so, what a week it's been for World Cup uh, qualifications. I want to get to Team Canada because we'd be remiss uh, based on the game yesterday against the U.S. if we don't mention that. Um, Team Canada is almost in. But the massive news, especially for people around the world listening to this show who usually are of Iranian descent, was that last week we had the confirmation that Team Meli, the Iranian national football team, are in, officially in the 2022 World Cup in, in Qatar. So tell me first how you are feeling about that. Before that, I'm really happy that I'm uh, here again about football, the most uh, beautiful and exciting uh, contemporary phenomenon, I believe so. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I really wanted to talk about Team Meli in from the technical point of view, but I would rather to uh, start with some other thing which I believe is more important. Sure, and it's because of the the pictures uh, in social media shows that how Islamic Republic fool FIFA to uh, get a tiny group of women get into the stadium uh, to um, cover up their gender apartheid mm. it's it's actually a gender apartheid you know gender apartheid so just to recap it, women have not been allowed in football stadiums famous infa infamously as we know in mm -hmm. iran up until very recently mm -hmm. fifa has made it a requirement hey you want your team in 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 the world cup you have to have gender diversity in the in the stands in the audience so you're saying the islamic republic fooled the, the fifa by allowing because there, there was women in the stands this time, the, right? The, the, there, there were women in the stadium, but uh, it's like m most of them was has been selected uh, from the government. Mm. I mean, it's 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 a selective thing for them to have some specific women women uh -huh. to, um, I mean, to to show the the picture that uh, some of the hardliner in Iran wants to see in the in the frame in the TV frame. I mean. I'm happy I'm celebrating for uh, Iran getting to World Cup, but at the same time, uh, I feel guilty inside myself mm. while I'm cheering or celebrating this thing. Uh, it's, it's weird. It's, um, Do you, I mean, I understand what you're saying. You're saying how can we feel great about supporting a team that is basically enabled and sponsored by a government that we so profoundly disagree with? 
a regime. Uh, but let me give you a picture. Um, sure. Uh, I hope you remember 1998 World Cup when Iran was struggling I to get to the World Cup. Remember very well. The, yeah, it was the, the game first, against the U.S. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, before that. I mean, uh, 1997. Oh, before then, then the qualifying. Okay, yeah, yeah. Against Australia. And uh, everybody were following football team. And I was a um, high school boy. And I never miss any any game uh, uh, to go to the stadium to watch Iran football mm. team. I clearly remember against Saudi Arabia, Kuwait, Qatar, China, and finally Australia. You were there in the stands. In in the stands, uh-huh. yeah. And uh, I always was trying to. Um, I had a girlfriend who was crazy about football, and I always trying to explain my experience of being in, uh, so to speak. Azadi Stadium, yes, yeah. and uh, so to speak, because Azad means freedom. Yeah, 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 yeah. In quotation mark, and um, I was like, "How pathetic I am to explain something which is not possible to explain. You have to be there to experience it by yourself." Because everybody who went to Azadi Stadium knows what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. It's way different from the other. I've been in. Santiago Bernabo and Camp Nou and uh, some other huge stadium, but Azad is really different. Mm-hmm. I really wanted to to share my experience and I couldn't. And then, uh, I mean, I kept going to the stadium. Share with uh, your girlfriend. You yeah, yeah, yeah. For yeah. any any uh, women that I I might know. And then uh, I kept going to the stadium for maybe six years after. And then I remember it was 2006. Uh, when Jafar Panahi made a film brilliant film Offside. Offside, I really yeah, yeah. I don't like Jafar Panahi's film but this one is brilliant <laughs> I I, <laughs> I can name it as a, one of the best film I've film. ever yeah, seen yeah. and I remember that I was in the stadium when I saw the group sh- uh, is, is shooting the film uh-huh. at the same time I mean it's not a documentary you watch the film it's a it's a fiction film but uh, it was shot at, a, at the same time when they were playing It's a bunch of women Bahrain. sneaking in to get yeah, to, to exactly, watch the football yeah. game. In, in, in and Iran, I yeah. was thinking it with myself that, uh, okay, I won't be the one who is supporting this um, discrimination, this, this cruel mm. uh, ban. And um, as uh, Jafar Panahi doing this film, that, that's the smallest uh, step I can take. And then none of our footballers did that before. I mean, some of them did, but they, they're banned to play for right. Team Melira, like Voria Rafuri. And then it's uh, sometimes kind of... Um, kind of. Um, but don't you, don't you think all of this, um, the, the heartache you're feeling, and I saw it on social media, mm-hmm. there were a lot of Iranians celebrating, but there were some saying... I can't feel great about this because of, you know, the state of Iran and the state of the regime and the state of even being able to watch football, you know, mm-hmm. the discriminatory, you call the gender apartheid. Um, but but don't you feel like, first of all, that that evaporates once we get to the World Cup, that people rally around just wanting to see this this team of athletes do well. And you know the arguments. The arguments are you can't blame the athletes for the country they come from or the system of, uh, of laws that we disagree with, etc. And the part for me where it feels like we, we should embrace Team Melly is that there are so few times in my lifetime, you know, certainly in the last 42 years, right, where I've seen Iranians collectively have a chance to celebrate something. This is the only, it's only World Cup time when women and men are in the streets celebrating, actually celebrating, you know, if, and, and that also means something, right? A chance to actually 
be be energized to be happy have something to rally around of course it's uh, it's also not uh, only about iran uh, i remember as i was watching a documentary on netflix called pele about the legend and uh, you know uh, in world cup 1970 uh, where pele is famous for yes. bringing the world cup to the uh, to to brazil uh, brazil was under dictatorship for a long time like 20 years yes. and Pele, specifically Pele, has a very good relationship with the dictators and have some picture with him. Mm. And uh, was always questioned from the nation uh, for this this relation. And uh, there was a a journalist guy called uh, Jose Trajano um, was saying in the documentary that he went to the Mexico for the World Cup 1970, uh, just wanting Brazil to fail thinking uh, title would be good food for the dictators right and then but he said when the ball starts rolling yeah. um, it was impossible yeah. it was impossible to to not to support yeah. him and it happened to us many times yeah. many times yeah. for example like um, two years ago when iran uh, was playing against iraq it was i, I think one month after um, ukrainian flight and i wanted team Meli be shattered yeah <laughs> but yeah. but i couldn't do that when the game starts it's, it's well kind that's of the thing because, right because it's football it, is about your heart and it's also again about athletes and and these supremely impressive beings you know doing something and why take it away from you know i covered the sochi olympics i was there in sochi in russia 2014 um mostly interviewing the canadian teams and stuff you know and a lot of canadians had misgivings before the olympics should we be going to russia you know this is a, a dictator state putin etc remember 2014 right around that time is when russia moved into crimea as well mm-hmm. right and yet once the game started and the Canadian athletes were out there doing their best and in winning medals, that's what really mattered, you know? And I mean, there's a lot of questions about Qatar for the 2022. I mean, the, the use of migrant workers, slave labor, hundreds of workers dying in, in mm. setting up this, you know, World Cup. There's people who say we should boycott the, the World Cup. Do we take that away from the teams? Do we take that away from the countries? Do we take that away from the athletes? It's an eternal question, I suppose. But I think, I, I, I really do believe in the, and I, I know anybody who has any knowledge of FIFA and the corruption and things that have existed in the past think I might be hopelessly naive, but I really think the World Cup is a beautiful event. I really think it's an event that is one of the few international events where you you can feel and see the interchange of cultures and, and people and, and passions. And, and so... I, I want to see Iran there and I want to see Canada there. And I want, I mean, I've talked about my dream of, you know, which was sort of the cynical joke up until recently, which would be England and Iran and Canada all being there. Now it looks like it's going to be a possibility. Well, I'm, just, I'm so fucked. <laughs> I have no teams. idea what I'm going to do. <laughs> yeah, I remember it was, uh, I'm supporting Germany and it was 1998 when Iran and Germany was in the same group. Right, right. And in my heart, I support Iran, of course. And at the same time, I was, I was thinking, if Iran beat Germany, what should I say to my friend? Because <laughs> uh, they, they make fun of me about that. For, you for see, my, my, my thing has always been, I'll, I'll start with the underdog 
and I'll cheer for the underdog. So of those three, I would have thought Canada is the least accomplished team by a long shot. For it's only been ever been in one World Cup, you know. Uh, and then I probably moved to Iran and then England because Iran, England has the best chance of advancing mm-hmm. to the to the later rounds. But actually, the way Canada is playing, I don't know if it is the underdog at this point. Yeah, I mean, course. and Iran as well. If we can just 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 to move briefly because I think you've made your point very eloquently in terms of the misgivings or the 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 conflict you feel around this. Can you speak to the Iranian team just as a, as a football observer? Uh, uh, what is the magic of this team that is, uh, there's only a few countries so far that have qualified for the World Cup. Iran is now one mm-hmm. of them. Um, why is this team so good? Or, and is it, did you expect Team Meli to be as good as it is? Uh, it's because in terms of coaching or managing, it's sometimes you don't need to do anything. Uh, I mean, the, 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 the thing you better uh, to do is just do nothing as a manager because uh, the... Because the know, players are so good? The players are so good and uh, the team uh, structured as a very good unit by Carlos Kerosh. So And then the, we have many players playing in Europe and they have a key role in this team, in, in their teams, like, like Mehdi Taremi or Sardar Osman who recently transferred uh, to Bayer Leverkusen, if you know. And then um, the only problem we may have, I mean, not only problem, because uh, we haven't been tested against uh, high-profile teams Mm. because we have just um, South Korea as a strong team in our group. And look at the other group. It's Japan, Saudi Arabia, Australia. Yeah, yeah, I was wondering about that. We need some... How much can... How excited can we get that we beat Cambodia? You know, it's not not like facing the U.S. and Mexico. Uh, So, so speaking of which, what do you think of Team Canada? Yeah, they're really good. They're really Really good, good, right? After 1986, the the, the last time and the first time that they qualified for the World Cup... Uh, I was watching some of those um, World Cup qualification for nine, uh, for 2018, and they were they were disappointing at the time. And now, uh, specifically, when uh, they are um, like um, transferring ball from the defensive point to the offensive, it's they're really great with the long balls. The U.S. And is a top 20 team, yeah, and Canada yeah. made mincemeat of them yesterday. I mean, it was it was. I was so excited because I've never seen a, a Canadian team this consistently play like this in in my lifetime. You know, we we haven't had. I was alive for 1986. I remember we didn't score a goal. We did, we yeah, lost three games team, and, yeah. and we didn't score even one goal. You know, and <laughs> and so this is like a, this is just an unbelievable. You know, uh, it's uh, so. If you were to uh, make a prediction now between, I mean, I'll include England because there it's my the country of my birth, but between, you know, Iran and Canada and England, my teams, who would you say is going to, who do you think is going to do well in the World Cup, actually do well, but beyond the first round? Uh, I think uh, if Iran plays against England, it would be draw, and even against uh, against Canada. You know, because Iranian, when, when they are trying to to in a defensive position they are really good we, we saw them against uh, Spain and uh, Argentina and Portugal in the last World Cup and then even against Canada they, they don't have enough uh, quality to to score goal do you think Iran will get past the first round I think so they had they, I, I hope so because you know uh, it depends on the group uh, yes a lot of lottery of which group yeah yeah 
And but uh, I believe this this would be uh, the first time that Iran have a very good chance to to qualify for the for the. By the way, round. Italy may not make it to the World Cup. Right? Yeah, this is shocking. It's right now that because that European uh, division is is yeah. pretty fierce, and and Italy has not so far made it in. It's yeah, they a, have a mountain in front of them to to be qualified. They have to. Germany uh, is in, however. Yeah, your, your boys. <laughs> they have to more, beat. Uh, you're another Iranian who likes Germany. <laughs> <laughs> no idea what this affinity with Germany. You know, every single of my friends are telling me that. You're, you're, you're supporting Germany? You don't look like that. You, you <laughs> support Italy or something. <laughs> Kian, you're actually trying to get tickets to go I'm to I'm making Qatar, plans right? to go, yeah. By the way, the, de- the lottery uh, for tickets, the deadline is February 8th. So if you... So what's the lottery for so tickets? You what submit, so you submit your, like, your selection of what type, like what, you know, what, which games you want to go to. And then you find out by March and then you, you, know, you buy the tickets. So, and the chances are you will get them. Yeah, like that from what I that's heard. what I heard. There's not actually yeah. a huge demand of people wanting to rush to, to guitar. <laughs> no, there is, but yeah. for whatever reason, I've heard it's it's not huh. as hard as you would think it is. But and yeah, who, who will you be supporting if Canada? Iran, and, and, of uh, course. I, you know what? Uh, yes, you care I, I am Canadian. I live here, but <laughs> well, she's Iran. such a Persian girl too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's all about Iran. There's just something you know. She drops the Canada in a <laughs> yeah, moment. In a heartbeat. She's like, You're yeah. Traitor. I mean, Canada has enough. We have freedom for one. <laughs> so you know, Iran needs this. So yeah. that's, that's, a, that's an yeah. interesting perspective. Yeah. Yeah. A geopolitical <laughs> uh, position on who you support. Yeah. I, you should I, come. You oh, should you should su- submit it. You know what? At I'm least. So in, I've never been to a World Cup. I I'm haven't amazing. either. And I've I, heard. I, and you know, that's the, the, that would be the last beautiful World Cup because the next one is like 48 teams. And it's there's no point to be in the World Cup mm. when, when there are 48 teams there. I mean, every single team could, could be qualified yeah. for the World Cup. Yeah. This and is I've the last just, chance. P- friends of mine that have gone, they just say the energy in yeah. that stadium that you feel like my friend was wearing her Apple Watch. She said it thought I was getting a full workout because wow. of the level of excitement wow. and energy. Now, Shia, where do you stand on the where Mehrdad started today saying that he has some misgivings around or, or is that guilt, I guess, around yeah. wanting being enthusiastic about yes. Team Melli? In one hand, you are happy for the Team Melli, of course. And in other hand, it's kind of, it's, it could be a certification for the regime that see we are working very well that mm. team Melly gets to world cup three times uh, in a but row didn't we, th- i mean wasn't that also the case four years ago i mean when we were all excited about in 2018 or or 1998 it's i mean it's case. always the case it's not mm. a new issue right but you know at the end of the day i believe that the iranian never give this credit to the to the regime it's not any success mm. uh, they have it's not for the regime it's it's for iran's it's for Iranian people. Yeah, I, I would certainly hope. Uh, I, again, for for me, I I get tears in my eyes when I see the celebrations, when I see mm-hmm. the joy of Iranians. Honestly, like if you think about it, in terms of the footage, I you know uh, that comes out of Iran. When was the last time you saw people celebrating anything in Iran? But what what's going to happen if? Imagine that there's a place, there's a stadium in Iran that you're not allowed to go. Oh, I, of course. I mean, the, the whole thing is, you know, I mean, the, the, we can we could spend every minute every sh- of every show talking about the 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 horrific atrocities that take place in Iran, the inequality, the lack of democracy, all of that. I, you know, I just don't know what how we. Um, 
you can give yourself over to that entirely or you can find other ways to i mean i i think shia as, as you said you support the team with a caveat asterisks i'm supporting the team and the players and the you know the people that really not not necessarily the government right i mean it's uh uh can you say one yes. more thing? I, I think even if they want to fool FIFA to, I mean, they let some uh, women to the stadium, even if it's for making fool of FIFA, I think it's good, you know? It's a crack on the edge. Their hand is being forced. Yeah. Yes. It, when no one else could force the running machine FIFA, <laughs> I mean, the, 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 you see how important this is, the World Cup is mm -hmm. to the to the regime, I guess, as well, right? That, that that I mean that's part of your misgiving. I guess. You know, some of the Iranians are angry with uh, Masih Ali Nejad. He wrote she wrote a letter to FIFA, um, uh, asked them ban Iran or Iran Football Federation mm. uh, get into the World Cup. Uh, but some of them are saying that that's the only way. That's the only way that could lead to Iranian women get right, into the World Cup. Right, right, right. Like some pressure from FIFA. Mm. But, you know, uh, it, to me, it's telling. I mean, I appreciate what where Massey is coming from. But uh, it's telling to me that the visceral response from Iranians when they see Team Meli doing well, mm. you know, the first, your right. knee jerk, your, as you say, in your heart, that response is, is gold, right? It's worth a lot. It's like uh, it's, it, it transcends... The, yeah. the politics at the moment, but yeah, when it's and maybe it's impossible to, to divide the, divide the two. But you know, yeah, and Reza, right. when, if when you, it's about if, football, it's, it's just in your heart, right? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Reza, it was an opportunity to make fun of you, but the the, the moment the passed. Moment's gone. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah, damn it, Reza! Once you once you learn about uh, that, there's a game called soccer football. <laughs> <laughs> you too, Wolfia. Uh, Maritha, thank you so much. You're welcome. Merci. Nice to see you. To nice be continued, to I'm sure. We have a lot, to, a long way to go to get to the uh, Qatar, Qatar uh, 2022. It's in November, right? Come yeah. 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 It should be in the summertime, but because it's so hot in Qatar. That's right. That's right. That's right. Let's go together. That's the last Oh, should. my God. Yeah, I'll chance. sleep <laughs> on the floor. Anything we have to do to February watch some games. 8th. Submit it. Just submit it. I don't Give us what? more information. Submit what? Where? You're, you're ticket I don't lottery. Have the, uh, and then by March, you know, uh, God is big. I figure you got to know someone. You, you, you're you the kind mean? of person you, you have know? connections. You I don't just submit the ticket. Oh, my God. I'll send the link to All you right. and make you do it. I don't have the kind of money that, you know. There's a lot of time Buy my November. way into Qatar. Um, I'm sure you have a friend in Qatar. You could stay there. I probably do. Yeah. 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 Maritad Ahmad for award-winning documentary filmmaker, runs a football website called The Art of Football. Maritad's been with us here in the Rook studio. Speaking of Qatar, I was in uh, uh, Dubai. Yeah. Up mm. until and Istanbul. How was it? Uh, well, now let me give you some. <laughs> 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 all right. Oh boy. Get fasten right your seatbelts. First get, of all, get ready, guys. First of all, I've heard that if I say something bad about Dubai, they won't let me in next time. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that true? Well, I mean, uh, you know. Oh, interesting. I've heard that they're they're. You very, get thrown in jail for less. They're kind of like you don't want to. <laughs> you don't like Dubai? Don't come. Uh, <laughs> oh. yeah. So anyway, I, first of all, I, I let me. First of all, say, 
lovely, some lovely folks in Dubai. <laughs> no, no. But our our number eleven market yeah. for Rook Media is are, is, is Dubai. Oh, wow. did you know that? It dropped. So, it used to be like number four or something. No, it? Dubai. No, Dubai was no, 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 never no, number no, four. No, no. Oh, okay. No, I'm I mean we're talking yeah. about like cities like oh, okay. Toronto, LA, oh, okay. Sydney, but country, Vancouver. Like when you well, uh, Dubai is considered a city, right? You know, it's yeah. United yeah. Arab Emirates is the country. I mean, Dubai is the country. Let's be real. Anyway, there's a lot of Rook fans there, and so hi to you guys and. And uh, there truly are some, I mean, I was visiting friends in Dubai, so I'd be, obviously I have some uh, lovely friends there. And, and it, it really is, there's some beautiful places there. You, you, who's been to Dubai? I have. You have. I have you, Shia? No, no. All right. I mean, I went to the desert. When yeah. am I going to go to the? It's fantastic. I got to see some camels, some shotor <laughs> yeah, action. Yeah, I saw it on Instagram. Uh, unbeatable weather. Can't yeah. beat the weather. And uh, most importantly, you know, my team, Arsenal, yeah, fly Emirates. I mean, it's it's right. basically sponsored by the UAE. So, yeah. we're they're training right now in Dubai. I mean, I can't. How much can I hate a, a place <laughs> that is? A, uh, you know. That said, if you are looking for history mm-hmm. and um, historic culture and soul, you know, <laughs> in a city in a place, it may not be your first stop. Mm-hmm. Okay, like it's uh, my first time in Dubai. It was kind of what I expected in terms of, you know, being very shiny, mm-hmm. uh, very impressive. I mean, uh, no one can stand in front of the Burj Khalifa and not go, oh, my God, look at this mm-hmm. building. But, you know, it plays into the Persian Mm-hmm. And it's a bit of a stereotype, but the Persian love of shiny objects, yeah, right? Yeah, like yeah. it's like uh, uh, I am staying in a seven-star hotel. <laughs> you know, where are you staying? Yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. that. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, and and everywhere I would go, they would I'd be like, oh, this is. Uh, tell me about this area. You know, oh, this wasn't here five years ago. You know, <laughs> <laughs> this they built six years ago. You know, the wow. whole. I mean, I've never been somewhere where everything is brand new. You know, and, and people who live in Dubai know this. Even I, I, I sought out some, you know, indigenous Dubai folks, mm-hmm. people who were born there, and they go, yeah, basically, last 10 years, everything has, you know, wow. grown and shape-shifted and turned into this new place. It's just not, you know, when you go to somewhere like Istanbul mm. or, you know, my favorite cities in the world, Berlin or mm. you know, Phnom Penh or whatever, where, they, where there's history oozing out of every yeah cobblestone street you know you're just not going to get that in dubai that said is it a is it a fantastic place if you can afford it for a holiday and the weather yes now what i wanted to talk about though is persian restaurants in dubai persian restaurants anywhere because i'm I, I don't understand why uh i mean that clearly i'm i'm not the target market because <laughs> i don't i don't understand what these persian restaurants are doing but but uh i find some of them have got with the program in toronto you know there's some some great food but i i just can't believe how off some persian restaurants could be and i went i sought them out i went to a persian restaurant one in dubai and mm-hmm. one in istanbul okay. and they couldn't have been a greater contrast all right wow. yeah because I here's my rule with Persian restaurants. Mm-hmm. Either have ambiance, right? Or have good food. Okay. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. If you can have both, great. You win me over for life. But if you, you know, if you could have fluorescent lighting and, you know, no ambiance and terrible decor or whatever, but the food is gold, great, right? Mm-hmm. If the food's going to be shit, at least have some kind of interesting mm-hmm. atmosphere or some nod to Persian culture or whatever, right? 
well, let me tell you, <laughs> this Dubai. Now, I obviously went to the wrong place. Yeah. And I know there's, I did go to a, there's a kebabie called Ustad Ustadi that actually is you know, legitimate, you know, kebab and stuff. But I was asking around, where should I go? I want to go to a Persian restaurant, you know. And so they said, uh, I, I won't say the name of the place, but it's 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 a well known Persian restaurant in Dubai that maybe the name of a fruit. Okay. <laughs> can you can you tell me what the location? Like, was it by the water or? It's it's like a, part of a hotel complex. Okay. Yeah, okay. there is some water. Because I've right been there. to one that's amazing, and it's by the water. You no, didn't go the, to that one. This, okay. This might be the one. I don't know. There's water there. Oh, there is, and it's if like a fake popular. Water. Yeah, it's, it's a like fa- a popular place. Yeah, popular area. There's yeah, a yeah, bunch yeah. of restaurants. Yeah, there. okay. I've this been is to the there. place that you liked? I didn't mind it. I uh, thought it was good. Like yeah. I enjoyed the company. Let me tell you about this place. Okay, <laughs> the food the food was mediocre at best. Mm-hmm. For for the place, because I figure I'm close to Iran. Yeah. Mm, yeah. I'm so excited. I'm like, oh, I can't yeah. wait to eat, you know, like mm. and I, I'm telling you, like the kubide, because I we ordered tons of stuff, like, oh, yeah, it's yeah. gonna be so exciting. It was it was the kind of place where if you took your non-Persian friends, you'd be apologizing, going, "No, this isn't really what it's oh. food, our food is like." The kubide didn't taste like meat. It was like this weird really? rubbery thing. Really? The um, the kashkabad. I was like, "Do you guys have some salt so I can put salt on this so it tastes <laughs> oh, like something?" The staff was like not informed. Are they Iranian? No, they weren't Iranian. There, you know, most servers in Dubai is another sort of weirdness for me that's mm-hmm. like the, there's the class and race structure yeah, around. That's what I don't so like. most of them are south asian they're indian or they're filipino oh, so in this yeah. case it was an indian person who honestly didn't know i mean you're in a persian restaurant we i said do, do you have dulk and and she kind of looked and went oh the the yogurt drink you know uh, i won't do the accent but it was like <laughs> no no yeah the yogurt drink you know <laughs> but the lighting I mean the the, the bright <laughs> lighting, the bare that the whole thing was horrible. Okay, and and to this this but the, the, even all of that I could have yeah. handled right. The music, <laughs> I am not kidding. The music was Michael Bolton. No what? stop. It was Mike. It was it was Michael Bolton ballads from oh, the 1990s no. playing in the background, right? Oh my okay. And I'm thinking. This is so far from presenting any kind of Iranian experience. Like, I don't care if you've done, you know, studies of your marketplace and you and, and, and Michael Bolton's going to be the most palatable thing. I, and and you know, I almost I I've interviewed Michael Bolton a couple of times in the past, and I, I happened to have his number. I almost texted him. I was like, I'm in Dubai right now at a Persian restaurant in 2021, 2022, and they're playing your music. It was so weird, you know. It was just something's then, changed. I I went there actually, in 2018. Actually, their, their their ownership changed. That's yeah. it, because I had nothing but the most amazing experience. It was there. horrible. Food, so then I go people. to Istanbul, okay. and there's a place in Istanbul that everybody says go to, uh, called Rehun. And mm. this time I was like, I was. What does Rehun mean again? It's like ba- a basil. It's a herb, right? Ba- yeah. Yeah, 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 basil. So then this time I'm like a little. Gun shy, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, this is gonna be. I don't know, you know. <laughs> Delicious, oh. brilliant Persian piano music playing, atmosphere, oh. Oh. photos on the wall, sculptures, amazing food, Persian staff, or at least staff. It, it was, it was, you Which know. Which one was cheaper? <laughs> the, the, the Istanbul by far. Yeah. Really? By far. Dubai's not cheap. They charge you for oxygen in Dubai. Yeah. Wow. No, I'm kidding. So uh, that was my, my Persian restaurant experience. Wow. And I'm sure there's somebody listening in Dubai right now going, ah, you went to the wrong place or you went on the wrong night or I don't know what you're talking about or whatever. <laughs> but I'm telling you, there was four of us 
uh, when we're Persians. And you know, used, two okay. of them lived there, and they were like, this is horrendous. It what used is to be amazing. I, you know, like you said, the management changed. And but we get spoiled in Toronto. Yeah, we do. Now that there's do. such a fertile community here mm-hmm. and yeah. all these restaurants, yeah. you know, I've been talking to, to people about it, and they were like, well, yeah, if you want a good Persian restaurant, you they're down the street from you in Toronto. Yeah, you know, yeah. you're kind of going to find yeah. it in Dubai. Yeah. It was shocking I'd, to me because I figured just I'd by say, proximity, yeah, know, the closer you get to Iran, around. the food's going to be better. I would right? even say there's more culture and history in Toronto, in Toronto than there than is, in is in Dubai. In Iran. Yeah, Dubai. Yeah. I mean, listen, if you want fancy buildings Oof. and like you know, it's it's a mirage. It literally used to be a desert, and they just popped up a bunch of buildings and there's, Dubai. I mean, <laughs> that's it. But the, the best spas or hotels or whatever in the world. I mean, it is just there's no taking that away from Dubai it's, yeah. it's got all that and uh, I get why the Arsenal players are excited to be working out in that <laughs> weather right now but yeah. I mean uh, but yeah it was, just, it was just kind of weird for me the yeah. western kid going oh yeah. I got so close to Iran let me try the food and like oh I guess this would be better in North York or Richmond Hill like why <laughs> I didn't have to come to Dubai be, you know I know right I think Dubai is made for people who want to have the eastern experience without actually having there's the no eastern, eastern experience, experience. there's, there's like, no eastern experience yeah, it's right, it's eh? it's very very fancy new buildings yeah, yeah. how are the Iranians in Dubai like did you get to interact with I, I think <laughs> it's better I say less about because <laughs> I know, oh I know that Iranians love Dubai, right? That's like, me. I mean, I, I had I'll never a, understand that. I had friends of mine, like out yeah. on my way there, they were texting me, going, "Oh, you're gonna have the best time." Yeah. And then I remembered that they are people who really do love, Fancy you know, lu- luxury, you yeah. know, and that you get that there. And I'm, and I got nothing against luxury, but it's not give what, me something else. It's not what fuels me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, literally. Uh, going from Dubai to Istanbul, every street you walk mm-hmm. down in Istanbul is overwhelming like yeah. it's just like oh my especially in the old city and the yeah, yeah. you just like it's like a you want to take a picture of it i mean yeah. it's just it's just so and the the history and mm-hmm. the culture and you know vis-a-vis our conversation with Meridot uh, earlier there's there's all kinds of reasons why you don't want to support turkey sometimes you know yeah. in terms of the, gov- the the regime there now or but in terms of a place where there's culture and history and 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 vitality and music uh i i continue to think istanbul is a you know now i should do give a shout out to in dubai you asked me about the persians there's a woman named leila cardon who's a musician who has uh in, in she's iranian in dubai who set up a cabaret um, that's kind of like by cabaret, not like the Idoni cabaret kind uh-huh. of it, but like a like a like a cabaret in the European style, like a burlesque uh-huh. almost burlesque, kind of cabaret, yeah, yeah. dancing and belly singing, dancing and stuff, uh, like a stage show. Oh, mm. yeah, oh, and this is very provocative mm. for the Middle for Dubai. Yeah. You know, uh, it's like a dinner and cabaret show at a place called Papillon. Um, really great on her like good for you know really pushing the envelope Mm -hmm. Uh, a woman who's like you know uh, creating this experience there has to kind of walk the line to make Mm -hmm. sure that it's not too um risque or Mm -hmm. you know and the the authorities come sometimes and sort of go because there's a lot of weird contradictions in dubai as well around Mm -hmm. that right it's Mm -hmm. like places where you can drink and you can't drink and there's you know you get um, thrown in jail if you have marijuana for real? real? Yeah. How, no. long, how long were you in jail? Uh, <laughs> I will not disclose. <laughs> no, I, I wouldn't touch it there. <laughs> wow. Yeah, they're yeah. serious. Yeah, they say for painkillers, you can't go to jail. I think maybe just there's some folks who are, again, I know 
uh, you know, and I was telling somebody about this and he was like, you just don't like wealth. And I was like, no, <laughs> I, I do. I think it's great. And if you listen, if somebody works hard, especially if they're self-made and makes yeah, a lot of money and so can afford fancy hotel, good for you, man. I think that's awesome. I, I just... I just like you know I love Southeast Asia yeah, for example yeah, yeah. I love the ancient yeah. I love where there's history where you can taste it yeah. where there's and I think maybe in Dubai my favorite part was going to the desert and yeah. but even that was kind of yeah. like set up for guys like me to go and yeah. see the desert you know <laughs> but you said it I find too that it's lacking soul it's lacking yeah. meaning there there's no story I don't know it's fabricated I yeah. get why people yeah. would live there though yeah it's yeah. pretty, it's pretty <laughs> sweet <laughs> you got money yeah 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 yeah. It came to my mind when you were talking about the bad quality of food in Dubai. I remember when we were uh, touring inside of Iran, when we went to the southern cities, we never went to the Persian restaurant. We always go to the like local food because I don't know, maybe it's weather uh, <laughs> have some mm. roles also because it, it doesn't taste not, not, like... Now that we've offended du Dubai, let's offend the south of Iran <laughs> as well. <laughs> Yeah, but restaurants and uh, no. just whatever I mean, it's I, hot. Like, I think your no, but the southern food like uh, is is great. They, yeah, they, they, so that's what I'm saying. We we yeah. go and eat southern uh -huh, food, uh -huh. not we, a person. Yeah, uh -huh. like not like the typical. Yeah, like you don't go to like Bandar Abbas and eat chalo kebab. But you know you what? Go there, uh, eat mahi. Uh, honestly, it was what was disappointing is if you think about my review of this Persian restaurant. Basically, the restaurant is not. It's not going out of its way to give people a Persian mm. experience. Mm. They're, they're, they've got tourists, they got people there, they're whatever. They've somehow made the calculation, or they don't care, mm -hmm. that playing Michael Bolton, turning on the lights really bright and serving mediocre food is good enough, you know? Yeah. It's just that, that was just disappointing for me. It's like, really, how hard would it be to like get a playlist of good Persian yeah. music or something, you know? That yeah, said, yeah. let me say one more time that there is amazing food to be had in Dubai. I just had a bad experience yeah. with the Persian food. There's a, there's a place actually called Orfali Brothers Bistro. Orfali, Mohammed Orfali is the chef. And this the, the, blew me away. And it's, and it's not one of them super expensive mm -hmm. places in Dubai. If you go to Dubai or if you're listening in Dubai and you haven't checked it out, Orfali Brothers Bistro. I think I've said enough about food and Dubai. Let's get to our feature guest. If you are a fan of seminal Persian poetry and stories, you may have come across this engaging little podcast that's popped up in the last couple of years. Take a listen to this. Nawasazi dehandat bar badnam ke bar yadash gvarat zahr dar jam. Bejaye sang khahi yaftan zar. Bejaye char mohre char gohar. Hamon shab vaqti ke khosro be khab raft, pedar bozorgesh anushi ravan ro dar khab did. Pedar bozorg goft, man behet mojde midam. که به جای چهار مهرهی که از دست دادی یعنی اسب و غلام و نوازنده و تخت چهار گوهر به دست خواهی آورد شبدیز و شیرین و باربد و تخت زرین As you can hear there, dedicated to the telling of the ancient story of Khosro and Shirin in a new accessible style featuring the mellifluous tones 
of my guest today. She's a familiar face and voice for those in the Persian community who live in Toronto and Canada. Banafshir Tahirian is an Iranian-Canadian writer, actress, and voiceover artist, as well as a well-known moderator and MC for a number of distinguished Iranian-Canadian events, such as the Tirgan Festival. Banafshir was born in Tehran and obtained her BA in, in Iran in computer engineering. Yes, she fell into the Persian expectations of being an engineer, but then she decided to break the mold and pursue her dream, voice acting, as well as immigrating to Canada about a decade ago. Since then, she's been the voice behind many animated series, as well as movies, TV, and radio commercials that you may have seen or know well. And she's become a highly regarded theatrical actor on various stages in Canada. With a passion for writing, Ben Afshe started recording audio blogs professionally. Simorg, one of her self-produced audio blogs, was showcased as a short film at the Toronto International Film Festival. And when the pandemic started, Ben Afshe introduced this new project, the podcast, Chai with Ben Afshe, where she narrates the ancient Persian story of Khosrow and Shirin, a podcast that's grown a very large audience here and in Iran and right now. Ben Afshe Tahirian joins me in the Rook studio today. Hello. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. So it's a pleasure to have you. have known you for a long time. It's really nice to have you here in the studio. Thank you so much. Thank you so Thank much. You for a being pleasure. Here. Thank you. Uh, you're almost at the end of this story of Khosrow and Shirin uh, that you've been telling over, you know, it's been like 58 podcasts now and you've got a few more. Uh, that was quite a commitment when you began it. Did you have any idea it would capture the imagination of so many people? No. I, I could tell you that when I started, I I knew that it is a beautiful story and people will listen to it. But when I started that podcast, I had no idea that what a big project I had taken on. And the response was amazing. Like right now from Singapore to Vancouver, from um, Norway to South Africa and South in north of Iran, I have uh, listeners who send me messages and send me the videos while they are listening to podcasts. It is, it is amazing. Send you videos? Yeah, send me videos. Of what, what are they doing in the videos? Like when they're listening to my podcast, they're, they're doing different things. Like there's a video that you can see a mom is breastfeeding uh, his baby and she's listening to podcasts. Uh -huh. And there is th th another one as a, a surgeon. She is in Iran and she's in the surgery room. She's doing surgery and wow. you can hear my voice there. And these are amazing. Like people surprise me with their videos. It, like it is not just when they are driving or like they are at home having their tea. I said chai with banafshe, but <laughs> the way they are doing, like they are listening to the podcast, it is amazing. And it, like every artist, I can say that they love to see how people react to mm -hmm. their art. Mm -hmm. And people surprised me and made me feel good that I'm doing something good. That's a great segue into what you're doing and and, and why it's good. I mean, this uh, part of what they're reacting to besides your your beautiful voice and the way you do things is is this epic story that I'm, I'm imagining some of the audience might know, some of the audience may not know. It's interesting. You know, I think about, um, for me, as an Iranian who grew up outside of Iran, and, and for a lot of the people I know that I've been asking around about in, the, in, in recent days, we know Hafez. We know Rumi, we might know Omar Khayyam, um, 
we don't hear as much about Nezami. I mean, I know there's the story of Khosro and Shirin, Leila and Majnoon, but I don't really, uh, I, I knew nothing about, I mean, very little about Nezami before researching for this interview. Um, was that part of the incentive for you to start this project? Yes, yes. Actually, uh, Nezami, I, like I can say Nezami is one of the five or six great master in ancient Persian poetry. He was an influential and an avant-garde figure of his age. And like he has this prestigious title, Hakim, which was given to a person who's knowledgeable in different fields such as science, astrology, agriculture, art. And some people like Ferdowsi, Khayyam, Nezami, and uh, Sanoi, but believe me or not, Sadi, Hafiz, or Rumi, neither of them have this title. Mm. And uh, when I when I knew Nezami and I read his stories, I was like, why we Iranian, except a minority who studied P- Persian literature, mm-hmm. the rest of people don't know uh, Nezami and his stories very well. They, we just heard a little bit of it. Like when you uh, look at kids' uh, book in, in their school, you will only find a small piece of uh, Farhad and Khosrow debate. Mm-hmm. And with reading that, you kind of feel like Farhad and Shirin were in love and Khosrow is the bad king who's there to not let them to be together, mm. which is totally wrong. Mm. So as much as I read about, like I read those stories, I, I became more fascinated uh, with Nezami and his stories. Nezami was a, about a thousand years ago, yes. right? And um, I know there's some historical debate. Where do you stand? At? Was he Persian? Because I know the Afghanistan yes, yeah. uh, claims him <laughs> and Azerbaijan. There's a few people who claim. It is you know, it's like Ruby. I mean, where does it? You know, but but what what do you? Where do you stand on that? This is this is bad. This is our our fault. That I I would say that if people don't know their past and don't learn their their stories they have no choice to get lost in other other stories right and we we needed to learn about nezami and nezami is the one who wrote stories in praise of women not men the the story of Khosran Shirin. It well, is wait a second, but you didn't answer. Is he Persian? Yes, he is. One hundred percent. I was seeing if it would get you get you going. Yes. Uh, oh, okay. So that, now I didn't mean to cut you off there. What What do you love about the story of Khosran Shirin? That that you've you've. I mean, if you didn't know it before, you knew it before, but now you've intimately lived with it and broadcast it for over a year. So, what do you love about it so much? Shirin, actually, the sh- Shirin is the main character of this story. This story is not about Farhad nor Khosro. This is the story of Shirin. Shirin is not, a, she's a very beautiful lady, but also she's a powerful figure in humor and hunting. She is proud of herself and kind in her heart. She is powerful both in love and rationality. She knows what she wants and what she doesn't want. She's a decision maker. She she doesn't wait for anyone to make a decision for her. And of course, I can say that Iranian patriarchal society had no desire to hear the story of such a woman. Mm. But she's, I, I can say that she's a role mo- model for men 
and women. So when I read that story, I fell in love with Shirin, and I like I kind of felt like I mean her character, and I was like. Someone should tell this story. Like the language has changed through thousand years, mm-hmm. of course. Like mm-hmm. I immigrated uh, ten years ago, and now I hear some Persian are writing something on Twitter, and I don't understand what are they talking about. Oh wow! Yeah, think it changes that quickly. <laughs> exactly. You don't know what they are referring and what are they talking about. What is the humor of what they are writing? So imagine Nezami wrote that story one thousand years ago. Mm. So what I did, which uh, what I did was that I uh, convert a poem to everyday language, mm. simple Farsi, mm-hmm. and I added my own humor and also some anecdotes from uh, today's world mm-hmm. to modernize the story and make it more understandable for people. I, although I should say, because we haven't explained, I mean, for those who don't, who aren't familiar with the story, it's it's basically a love story. It is. It's got unrequited love, forbidden love, uh, spoiler alert, suicides, you know, people killing themselves at the end. Um, but you seem to be making the case that Nazemi, uh, perhaps before Nezami. he's talking. Sorry, Nazemi. <laughs> I'm thinking of Nima Nazemi. <laughs> but you seem to be making the case that Nazemi, um, again, before his time, perhaps, or ahead of his time, perhaps, he was, yeah. was a progressive writer in terms of um, the way he was writing women, the way he was writing Shirin in particular. Yes. And she wrote it, he wrote it so beautiful. And at the end of the story, you will learn that he wrote this story because he was in love with his wife that he lost some years ago. And he wrote that because he kind of felt that his Shirin was his Afaq, which is the name of his wife. And uh, yeah, it is, it is like the the first time that you see, I can say, like a man writes about his love and mention it even at the end of the story. And this is a love story. And the thing that make me more sad is that Iranian uh, look at this story with the way they like to look at it. And they retold the story the way they liked it. Like, What do you mean by that? They, they entirely took the focus from Shirin which is the main character. Uh, made it about Khosrow. Ex- n- not Farhad, just for Farhad, actually, Farhad, which is a- Farhad's ro- the other lover, just Exactly, it is a triangle, yes, it yes. is a triangle love between Shirin, Khosrow, and Farhad. But uh, honestly, it is it is the love story of Shirin and Khosrow, mostly uh, Shirin. Mm. And Farhad, at some point, he, is, he comes to the story, he is in love with Shirin, and he's a man, he's a rural man, but, Simple, simple-hearted, but heavenly love, and like he is trying to move mountain for mm. his love, and he dies in the, in, in the same way. And everyone loves Farhad, but no one asks, does Shirin loves him back as well? Everyone just talk about Farhad, and he was in love, and he died. Right, and right. no one, no one know that the, the like. Spoilers or something, <laughs> but no one. The story's a thousand years old. We yes. can, t- we like, can yeah, tell the yeah, end. Yeah, I yeah. would say like people say, okay, say, tell the story faster. I'm like, okay, that is a story. Is there? You can go and check. It's it on for Wikipedia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm not. I'm, I'm not hiding anything. But 
Well, although it's beautiful that people it are, is. Are, are walking through the journey with you with it, this, with this, uh, because it's obviously a very long poem, a long yes. book. And so they're carrying it through from podcast to podcast, waiting to see what happens on the exactly. next episode. Yeah. Exactly. And what I really want to say now is that this is, this is I was surprised that no one ever told us anything about Shirin's death. Is that right? No one's done that? No one's written a book about that? No. Written? I'm talking, like, I'm looking for the stories that were, like, right inspired by this story Uh. or play or animation. You cannot find anything, I can say. Mm. Like, whatever is out there are so little or, or, like, no one talks about it, which, like... European have Romeo and Juliet, which uh, not just just me. There are a lot of like uh, university research that compared uh, Romeo and Juliet with uh, Hosra and Shirin, yes. and they all found uh, Hosra and Shirin more beautiful and with more ups and downs and everything. Mm. Look what Euro- European did with their Romeo and Juliet. You you can see like l- different kind of. Th- in any way possible, they performed that story. Yes. Animation, play, f- movie, books, everything. Leo DiCaprio films, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So now, even if you're asked Iranian that, okay, what is your example of love, a love story? They will say, Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> this is sad, right. you know, this is sad. Right. And no one talks but about- part of that is, I mean, part of that- Don't forget Shirin's death. I want to talk about Shirin's death. <laughs> you, do you want to talk about Shirin's death? Yes. So, so we're really going to go there. Can I, can I give you my- th- I, she kills herself, doesn't uh, she? Not like that. Not oh, just she kills sorry. herself. I, I, <laughs> not like that. Well, well, no, 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 no. You mean why? You mean the question of why she does it, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I. That's 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 what makes it more beautiful. But, like, uh, we, can we say that Juliet killed herself, or Romeo killed herself, killed himself, and this is the end of the story? Well, the, but if you ask me happened. what happened to Romeo uh-huh. in, a, in a short yes I would say that I would say yeah. you know they it, they kill themselves <laughs> what am I supposed to say about Shirin that's what she that's what happens the, the, right yeah yeah, the, yeah the, and that's star-crossed what, lovers they forbidden love they they, they never it was quite not get forbidden it. love not, well it was, was forbidden in some ways the, right? for Hosra and Shirin it was not at all that's, that's what I'm saying Farhad was kind of like it was uh, forbidden when when Khosro. You have to I listen forget, to my podcast. Doesn't right? he go? But when he goes off and marries the other woman, yeah, and that, he, then it's he, forbidden for him to be with Shirin, isn't it? Yes, and he they didn't marry uh, until she died. Before that, he get married to Mariam, yeah, which Mariam, was the yeah. the daughter of the, the Caesar of uh, Rome. Yes. Before that, they were in love, and Shirin told him. At the time, Khosrow went to Armenistan to, to meet Shirin, yes. and he was there, because, and Bahram and Chubin got like, the throne and everything from him. And Shirin told him that, okay, you have me. Go take back your <laughs> throne. awesome that we're debating. <laughs> <laughs> It's great. It's uh, it's. I mean, uh, the story obviously is it continues to engage, right? Yes. So what what did you want to say about Shirin's death that I cut you off by? Uh, go ahead. Like what I want to say that everyone thinks that Shirin and Farhad were in love, but the beauty of that story is that at the end of the story, when Khosro is killed, when they want to uh, put Khosro in his tomb. Mm-hmm. Shirin goes inside mm-hmm. and she kills herself there because she doesn't want to leave after yes. Khosrow. Yes. And that's the beauty of the story, I, I think. And 
and she makes but shame that decision that it ends by in death. Herself. But you know, yes, I know. I don't. Persian, I, I you know. kind of prefer that she would leave. <laughs> and I, if, yeah. if he was now, they I would don't talk live to her. happily ever after. Yeah. They die happily ever after. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what I was going to say about people not knowing the story as well is, to a certain extent, Iranians could be forgiven in the last four decades because this has been an issue with the the regime in Iran. And this is so funny to me because. You know, you can sort of make heads or tails or make sense of, of some of the draconian ideas of the Islamic Republic around, say, rock music or, you know, it's modern, it's American, it's capitalistic, it's Western, we don't like it. A story, an ancient story that's a thousand years old becomes a problem for the current regime in Iran. Why? He was king of Iran, ancient king. And as you can see, they are kind of try to uh, delete that part of history from people's mind, which they, it like they didn't exist. Right. Which those years were the uh, the most powerful era of Iran, I can say. Like, and they kind of show show that kings are bad, no matter what. Like it, it was Sasanian, it was Hachamanishian, yes. whatever. They are bad, and we don't want to talk about it. But and but uh, but it's also a romance, right? And also, and, a romance, and it is erotic, and it is right. It is not just love story; it is erotic. That's what point. I'm getting at. They see this as somehow illicit. Yes, and I want to say that it is not only the problem of these forty years, even before that. And and I I say as I mentioned before, it is it, the reason was. Iranian patriarchal society that was there from the... Really? the, the you the, think that because Shirin's a strong character, yes. that the whole story was suppressed in, historically in People Iran. know Nazami from his Leili and Majnun, yeah. which compared to Khosrow and Shirin, Leili and Majnun is a motionless black and white story, which Leili is a villless, obedient girl at home, which is man's favorite character too read about and we know like you you can find a lot of singer who their their lyric was from Nezam Leili and Majnun mm. but Khosrow and Shirin they just mentioned Farhad and they they this is the, the, like I can say it, it is not just on this government that we don't know right. about Khosrow and Shirin it, it, was, it was the problem was before that how much did you know about Nezami when you were growing up in Iran Good question. Same as others. Like I knew he he was living in sixth century, and he wrote Khosrow uh, and Shirin and Leili and Medun, and I don't even remember that I knew anything about Half Baker. In 2017, here I came across a book, which was written by Mr. Sirjani, which its name is Simaya Dozan, that uh, that did a character comparison uh, of Leili and Shirin the two character of uh, yeah. Nezami's stories. By reading that, I was so inspired to read Khosrow and Shirin and Haft Baker. And at the same time, I was like, why? I was I was so surprised that why I don't know about Nezami and these stories. Were you into poetry as a kid? Were you, were you into stories? Stories, it, yes. I grew up with the stories, I can say, yeah. But not necessarily poetry? Not necessarily I mean, were poetry. you Hafez, uh, Rumi, all of that? Was that part we of your... We had this at our home. My, my mom uh, has, uh, like, she has her degree in Persian literature, so... Oh. 
<laughs> there you go. Yes. The apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So, but but you went into engineering. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I was I was wondering. I mean, not that that's a. I mean, that's very it's a repeated story. Very respectful. It's great, you know. But uh, but were you an artist who? unwittingly felt like she needed to go into engineering or were yes. you an engineer who suddenly discovered that you were an artist as well no i remember that i was i remember exactly i was seven years old that i knew i want to become an actor and when <laughs> i was in uh, like high school and i should, like before high school and i should decide what to study i told my parents that i want to study art and they said no 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 no. art is not a major right it's a hobby right. so uh I chose the difficult one. <laughs> I started mathematic, and <laughs> as my major, I chose computer science, and I became an engineer. Were you a good engineer? No. <laughs> you weren't a good I'm engineer. Thank you for being honest. Community. <laughs> I didn't work in that field even uh -huh. for a day. Oh, you didn't work at all as an engineer? No. Even in Iran? No. So you got the degree. And then I, <laughs> at the time that I was getting my degree, I was working at my uh, father's company as, and I became a marketing director of his company there. Okay. I got the degree and then I kind of felt like, okay, now is the time that I should do something for myself. And at the time I wasn't so brave to go for acting. So I took a voice acting uh, workshop and I started uh, learning voice acting and, I remember that it was a class of 17 students and at the end of the class, and everyone were younger than me. Hmm. And But at the end of the class. Uh, this is while you're still still in Iran, right? Yes, yeah. yes. By the end of that class, I became like, I became a voice actor and it was not a year that I became voice director. So when I immigrated to Canada, I already was, was voice actor and voice director in Iran. And I immigrated to Canada, and I was so excited to be able to do that here in Canada. But as soon as I got here, uh, I was told that if you're an actor or voice actor, forget about it. Go find something that you can do backstage, because first, there is not much of a request for Farsi accent. Mm -hmm. And second, if, if there is any, the Canadian actor can imitate our accent better than us. Huh, right. Which was sad and That's hurtful. a tough one, yeah. Yeah, it, it was. Although I, I bet you they're not saying that now because in the last decade, ideas around appropriation and uh, have really reshaped the way people are cast now, right? It's it, it's a lot harder to cast a non-Iranian in an Iranian role today, thankfully, than thankfully, it was even five yes. years ago. But uh, I want to get to that. But just, just while we're still back in Iran and you taking the voice classes, as long as I've known you the last few years, people always talk about your voice. I mean, whether it's on stage or in your audio blogs or now on your podcast, um, did did you know you had this? Did you get complimented on your voice when you were young as well, or is this something that you developed? Of course, <laughs> of course, people would compliment me with their like, "Wow, you have a beautiful voice." Even, how how young were you when they started saying that? Like. I was at high school, even like now I have like, 
I there are beautiful friends that I didn't I didn't re- remember it, but they remember me from high school and before that, and they they messaged me and they said that we told you that you're good. Like I was the one who writes beautiful stories, uh-huh. and I was in Shami Nevestim. I don't know, like you you, you never. Tried. What is that? It is like they give you a subject and you start writing uh-huh. about it. It is it, it calls Ein Shah and like it is one of the classes that we had when we were kid at school. And I love that class. And then what? You say it out loud? Yes. Uh-huh. If you like, if you liked what you wrote and uh, you could go like come up to the class and stand in front of everyone and read what you, what you wrote. So did your parents know how good a voice you have? My mom has a beautiful voice as uh-huh. well, so it is kind of like in the generation, like yeah. But uh, it's amazing that your mom, uh, who teaches Persian literature and knows how great a voice you have, still didn't see you going into this field. Still, kind of was encouraging you to be an engineer. They want their best for their parents, for their kids. I can say, like all Iranian parents want, right. they want their best for their kids. We cannot blame them because in Iran, even like it is getting better. But if you they, you tell them that you're an artist, they will think, okay, poor. Hmm. He's an artist. She's an artist. How much money do you make? Like. Th- that's why it's not considered a career by no, a lot of Iranians. No, yeah, no, it it is it is getting better. Yeah. Uh, like I I hear now that even like not just our generation, even like a generation uh, after us, they are living their life the way they they think mm. is right, mm. and they let their kid to to become whoever they want. But at at that time, it wasn't like that. Given your fondness for Persian culture, poetry, all that you've just talked about that the passion that you're showing for for Hosro um, uh, and, and, and Shirin <laughs> um, h- how difficult was it for you to leave Iran it was difficult because you you leave your loved ones there and you always are worried about them like you cannot just disconnect yourself from your family and friends it is not possible you always I, I can say like all the Iranian all the immigrant they always have this awareness about what is happening in Iran, what is happening to their families. And uh, I love that country so much. This is a beautiful country, beautiful people with rich history and art. And of course, I, I, I wanted to do something, but I always say that you live once and you have to find a way to live it the best that you can. So I immigrated to Canada. I I missed my families very much. Yeah, I, I can say I wanted to come. It was not like I was mm-hmm, forced mm-hmm, to come. Mm-hmm. I wanted to uh, immigrate, but so at the same when you, when you first get here, Benafshe, and you talk about um, folks saying you're not really going to have a future in acting and voice acting and your Persian accent is too strong and if somebody wants that accent, they can get another actor to do it who's not even Iranian. How did you fight through that? Actually, I started like two years after I immigrated to Canada. I took some acting workshop and I performed in uh, some Farsi, some uh, plays in Farsi. Uh, it, there were some Farsi plays, but I was lucky that two, like it was two or 
one year after that that I found out about a, a company uh, who was producing animation in cartoons focused on bilingual kids. So I sent them my Farsi samples and they liked it. So initially I started working with them in Farsi and year or two after that, they offered me to take audition uh, for doing my uh, like voiceover for my character in English. Mm. And with no hesitation, I said, yes, I'll take the audition. And I took the audition and surprisingly, they liked my accent and um, uh, they- Because they you represent uh, people. That who have an accent, exactly. right? Yeah. Why? Why would they want to whitewash that? Yes, and like these days, th- thanks to what is happening in the world, it's getting better because they could use another like Canadian actor. I, I I've seen even my friends who choose Canadian actor who can imitate her accent because they think that that kind of is. I don't know what they think, but they do it. But they cast me for a beautiful series uh, called Sixteen Hudson and. Uh, the series became so like it, it was. It has been uh, broadcasted uh, from TVO Kids, and it became so popular. And the kids loved that series. So that that's the reason that they picked up us for the second season. And recently, uh, we did voiceover for the third season. And in 2018, a good friend of mine, Aida Kehai, mm. who's she is a fabulous actor and director. And director, yeah. She was and a fabulous person. Yes, yeah. yes. She was accepted at Summer Works Festival to uh, direct a play called Swim Team, mm. and she casted me as her lead role. I was going to ask you about Swim Team oh. because um, I, I saw it. It was a fabulous production. It got great reviews, but it was in English. It was and in it, English. this was and your can, debut on stage in English. And can you right? imagine that it was my first performance in English on the stage? And how did how did that feel for you? I was terrified. <laughs> I I worked twice as hard. I can tell you because it it was my dream. It was what I what I wanted, mm. and now I had this chance to perform and to prove others wrong. That yeah, I. What I, were you I, terrified I, of? Uh, what would be the I, worst I, case scenario? Shit, I I remember myself at backstage for uh, like it was the first performance. I was at backstage, and you saw the show. I ha- I had a chador on. Yeah, I had my chador, and I was imagining the worst case scenario. And I was like, uh, what would be the worst? What would be the worst? Uh, running away from backstage, or going on stage and getting laughed at by people because of my accent. And eventually I gathered my courage and I went on stage while I was holding my chador with my right hand and I had this lantern <laughs> with my left hand and I went on stage and I should start with a monologue. The light was on my eyes and I couldn't see people but I could hear them breathing. And I started saying my monologue but my hands, my hand were shaking so hard mm. that this lantern <laughs> were making this clicking sound, like click, 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 click. And to cover that sound, I raised my voice as much as I could. And at the same time, I was angry at myself that, okay, girl, you dreamed mm. about this mm. from when you were seven years old, and now it is not the time to scare. And surprisingly, by the end of that monologue, I wasn't scared anymore. Mm. And I really enjoyed my performance till the end. And later, uh, that uh, play uh, was listed as 
uh, one of the best of the uh, festival. festival. Yeah, yeah. And Aida was cited bec- for her directing and as you mentioned, not uh, Gillian Sami, the yeah. critic of uh, Now magazine. Yeah. He wrote that Tahirian is an endlessly watchable performer. Yes. She has a strong presence from the start. I was like, Yes. <laughs> Even when she's shaking the lantern. Yes, yeah. I, I, I kind of think that he didn't hear that. <laughs> I was so loud. Well, it's funny strong. because when I saw it, I, I thought, uh, and I think my friends and I've talked about it afterwards, like, oh, Banif, she has such a passionate, uh, intense performer. But now I know it was because you were ter- terrified. Uh, In the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> In the beginning. No, you were great. I mean, the whole show was, uh, that's that swim team. I hope you guys will do it again at some point. It's a very, very powerful play. Do you, now that you're, you've been here for 10 years and you're working in um, productions that are made in Canada, some in English, some in Persian. Uh, how has it shaped your own identity? I mean, do you see yourself as Iranian or Canadian or Iranian-Canadian? And how do you navigate that path for yourself? Um, I, I see myself an Iranian-Canadian. Canadian embrace me and I them. They are beautiful people. And uh, like after that uh, performance and everything, I've been, I I heard from uh, non-Iranian people that they like my, not just my voice, they enjoy my accent as well. Mm. And they they told me that we love to listen you more because of your accent. Mm. So now I look at my accent as as an asset not an issue to deal with anymore. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I, I, I like my accent. And like I, when, I, uh, when I wanted to uh, publish my podcast, what I had in my mind was that as a voice actor, I always wanted to tell a story that not only keep people uh, entertained and joyful, but also teaches them something, mm-hmm. which true Nezami, I found Shirin, and I, th- I thought, okay, this is a good story. She could be a ro- good role model for men and women. And at the same time, I believe that every immigrant is, the, is an ambassador of the country that they're coming from. Mm-hmm. So we have to bring the best of our culture with our, with ourselves to share with other people. Okay, well, on that note, I mean, you have, to a certain extent, become the face of the Persian community um, in Canada, in Toronto on many occasions. You do a lot of emceeing and hosting. And uh, what wh- what do you want people to know about what it means to be Iranian? It puts a heavy duty on my shoulders. I didn't know that I, I am that person, but... I well, you do I, know that. You do know that. When you're hosting the opening night of Tear Gone, I mean, you're up there, you're the first person people see, you're welcoming people in English and in Persian. I mean, you know that. That's your. That's part of your... You're talking about Iranian community and Persian community. It, it, it is like, yeah, that that's a festival, which I love. And it is about art. And I, I, I kind of think that Persian literature and like Persian art is treasure Mm. and i really liked i kind of think that it is in a box that we should open it and share it with other people in a way that is possible that's why in the beginning i wanted to uh, publish my podcast both in farsi and english and uh, so i i applied for a grant to be able to do that Mm. and you know how uh pricey it is like Mm -hmm. it it is it it needs a lot of money Mm -hmm. to uh 
have a podcast in both Farsi and English. And uh, I applied for that grant and because of the COVID and everything happened, uh, like the, everything canceled and I wasn't sadly given that grant as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's when I thought, okay, now that I can do, I, like I couldn't aff- afford to have a writer who knows Farsi and English, both good, I'm a good writer, I'm better writer in Farsi than mm-hmm. English. So I thought, okay, I can publish my podcast in Farsi with this hope that when young generation or other people hear that story they can translate it uh, or they can tell it in any other possible way and other people would be able to hear mm. that story as well mm. so that's why that like it was money problem that i didn't publish it in english and farsi um so i now i th- I, I i do my best in my ability to 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 spread love because i think what is the answer to this word right now is love and I, I as an Iranian Canadian I want to spread love among people and uh, if I, I I can I teach them something hmm. with that beautiful sentiment let me ask you something that's about something that's, that's a little more difficult which is that last month it was the second anniversary of that tragic and horrific uh, shooting down of Flight 752 by the uh, Iranian government. Um, you were the MC. You were the host uh, of a few memorials a couple of years ago when when this happened, including a big one that was held at Convocation Hall in Toronto that uh, there were many people there and it was also broadcast. What was it like to be trying to grieve? I know you, like me, knew people who were on that plane. Um, to grieve and to communicate the grief of the Persian community to the rest of the nation of Canada through these events. That day was one of the saddest days of my life that I was on a stage. I should be able to talk. I wasn't, I I didn't sleep for three days in a row. Like I was writing and you cannot imagine I was, I was writing the name of the passengers, who they were, and I was um, connecting them with the picture because the picture that the, the mm. were supposed to be on the uh, screen, screen yeah. and I was supposed to say the name, and the name of my little student were there, um, my friends at Tirgan, and still, I, I kind of felt like, with. I, I didn't know what I can do. That was the only thing that I could maybe, I, I, was, I was trying my best to mm. do. So I, I, after that, I, it was excruciating, I could tell you, to stand there, say their names. I still couldn't believe that it happened. It, it, is, it is unbelievable tragedy that you don't know how to deal with. And thank God that I didn't faint on stage because at some point I really thought that I cannot stand even more second. And you saw me, I even couldn't stop crying. Yeah, I, I even didn't even try to stop. Because I couldn't, yeah. I just couldn't. And I mean, frankly, nobody could stop crying. You, your crying was cathartic, I think, because it, it helped the rest of us who were in the audience, uh, um, you know, with our own tears. 
um, seeing you on stage. But uh, I, I knew that that took a real toll on you. You, it really uh, um, uh, was a difficult time. I mean, for the family, for the families, and 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 the people we lost. It. I mean, it's it's. Um, it it, it, it was know. a shock, Jian. Uh, it was like I think it shocked Iranian community. It was not like it, the families were what happened to them. It, no, no one even can talk about it the way they are feeling it right now. But it was a shock. Anyone, any any of us could be in that in that plane. Mm, yeah. Any of our like we could. It, it could be our kid it could be our children our mom dad yes. sister brother husband wife yes. it, it was it was very real for iranian canadians because a lot of people have taken that very flight i mean and and these were well educated middle class upper class iranians that we know that were you know it was it was people directly from our community it wasn't like it was um, someone we're going to feel sad about that we've never met. Uh, so it was it was very visceral, and I I I wondered about how how you it's a, it is a lot of responsibility for you to be up on stage. Not that people wouldn't forgive you if you make a mistake or something, but knowing what's at stake and what has happened for you to kind of be. I mean, I remember the next day and the next couple of days when in all the papers where people were talking about the memorials, it was your picture because yes. you were the, you know, you had been the, the host of these events. And, and um, that's difficult. It, uh, it was difficult. Like, and I have to say that it was not just me. It was a lot of Tugum volunteers and it was a lot of people who were doing many different things to, to be able to organize that program in the most uh, possible beautiful way hmm. but i was the face and it was difficult i, I just i i even don't know what, what word in english i can find mm -hmm. to describe how mm -hmm. i felt at the time in there and poor kian she was with me and she was crying so hard i i, I even didn't know what what can i do for her yeah kian was having a tough time yeah, yeah th that was that 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 day was I, I I even cannot describe it. And even after that, some like after that uh, program, uh, some of the families they come to me and they said, "Thank you so much. We finally could cry with your voice." And I was like, that, uh, "If I did something, it it makes me um, satisfied that okay, mm -hmm. I, I'm I'm helping them." Every time that I talk about it, I cannot like it is difficult for me to not cry, and it, it was I don't know if you know it was a little kid. He was five six years old. It was one of my little students, and what he, were you teaching him? Like I, some days, I like I teach special needs uh, story. Like I I do storytelling mm. for a special kids with a special needs. He was supposed to come back and be at my class next week. Mm -hmm. I still cannot believe that it happened to them. Or I don't want to believe. And kids in that plane, oh my God. How, how, how someone can do this to kids? I don't know. Sorry. Mm. Let me ask you about um 
I mean, before I let you go, I want to ask you about, you know, you're a performer. And so um, a lot of what you do requires performing on stage. Um, and uh, there, there haven't been a lot of stages that have been open in the last couple of years. So you pivoted and did this podcast, which is amazing. And you do voiceover work, which thankfully can be done uh, during a pandemic. Um, but what, what what do you hope to be doing in in uh, once everything's back open? Performing on a stage, I like what I'm working right uh, working on right now is having a short version, like a less than a two hour version of Khosrow and Shirin oh. to uh, perform on stage. Wow! And if I can do that, I, I, I like I, with a cast or as a one-woman play. Or actually, I'm thinking about as a one-woman play having live uh, music, and uh, I'm still thinking about the way I'm going to perform it. Uh, but I, I want to tell that story not just in Farsi and English as well. So the project that I have in my mind, if Corona let us, right? <laughs> we'll I guess you've become. The, a, a sort of a, a Hosranchi an expert now, right? Like there's probably like <laughs> academics calling you, going exactly. Hey, no, I, no, I mean really. That. I mean if you you've really gone inside this work, exactly. Right? Yes, not even just that. I can tell you in, in the uh, kind of close to the end of the story, Nezami, as I, I'm telling you, he's Hakim, and he knows many different. Like he's expert in many different fields. So he mentioned that Bozor Gomid, who is the right hand of Khosro, Shirin asks him to teach them some lesson of life. Mm. And Bozor Gomid uh, tells them 40 stories of Kelilandamne. And Nezami wrote the result of that story, the lesson that you have to write, that you have to learn in one verse. And that's it. But I thought that, okay, now that I had this chance that people are listening to me around the world, we d even don't know Kelile Bademne. We don't know Kelile Bademne, which is like it, it is a treasure. And those are beautiful stories. So I thought maybe I should tell those 40 stories as well. And believe me, it is really difficult to convert the original one mm. to uh, simple Farsi because it is kind of mix of what Arabic process, and Farsi. What is the process, by the way? How do you, like when you were doing Khosra and Shirin, were you, did you write, I guess, yeah, well, obviously I guess you wrote it all out, right? So you're basically. I'm writing. You're rewriting a book. Exactly. A, a long book. A long book, in old, 6,500. old verse poetry. Yes. <laughs> that's a, that's a, Herculean task. It is. It is yeah. two years that I didn't sleep at all. <laughs> like wow. I didn't have the time to sleep because I couldn't. Like first, I thought maybe I can write it and then start recording it, but then I, I look at it and I was like, nope. I should write, edit, record it, edit, and publish it. At because the same time. Uh, forgive me, I think I know the answer to this question, but but because if you just read what Nezami wrote, it would people wouldn't understand it. No. People will not understand it, and they they won't they wouldn't enjoy it as much as they can enjoy it right now. In the beginning of each each episode, I say, "You make tea, I'll tell you a story," hmm. and I tell them that I'm telling you this story because we people haven't changed that much from one thousand years ago. We are who we were. We're still 
are who we were. I've heard you say that at the beginning of your podcast. What do you, what, what do you mean by that? Because it, like in different p- part of the po- the podcast, as I told you, I'm giving some anecdotes yes. from our yes. everyday life because it is the same. Like we have Shapur, which is close friend of like, I'm, I'm giving you an example. Shapur is close friend of Khosrow. Yes. And he's the one who draw uh, introduces him to Shirin. Exactly yeah. how he introduced Khosro, he paint Khosro and like uh, he 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 draw Khosro tree painting from Khosro he he make ready, and he go to Armenistan and show uh, like he put the painting on a on a tree and Shirin noticed the the painting and ask her the ladies that are around her like. Who is this? Who is this dude? And yeah, and they say no, no, no. It is what demon does. So not, don't look at it. So they they move again. At another beside another lake, uh, Shapur puts another picture of Khosrow uh, on another tree. She notices it and she's like, "Who is this guy?" And the lady around her say, "Oh, it is what Parry uh, like fairies does. Uh-huh. This is this is what they what they do. Let let's move from here." They move again, and they, they, at the third place, they sit and they're like trying to enjoy the time. Shapur again puts another picture of Khosro in front of Shirin mm-hmm. among the like trees. She noticed that picture and she's like, "Okay, go bring that picture and put someone in the like in the gates of the city and ask everyone who are coming to the city who knows this guy. Right. I want to find him." And I say that, "Okay, uh, ladies and gentlemen." Uh, Shapur was the one who established Tinder at the time <laughs> and right. the Khosrow's uh, time. The first dating app. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The, what he did is the kind of the same, <laughs> but it's like in a different way. Yeah. Like you see that picture three times, okay. So he's the guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I always thought Khosrow uh, owed a great debt to, to Shapur. Yes, uh, yes. Although the, at first, Shirin doesn't recognize Khosrow, right? When he first turns up. Actually, Shirin, by seeing just that picture, she rides her horse, which his name is Shabdis, which is a black horse, which Nezami says that it is faster than a uh, human's mind. She ride that horse 14 days and night mm. to get to Madain from Armenistan right. to see this man. But she's close to Mad- Madain and she think that, okay, let's let's get clean and then get there. So she take off her dresses and she goes into a lake. That's the famous uh, scene. Exactly, yeah. that's the famous scene. She goes into a lake and at the same time, Khosrow is running away from uh, Madain. And at, at the, close to that lake, he's, he and his friends stop to like get dressed. He comes close to the lake and from there on his horse, she saw this beautiful amazing lady who's coming out of the lake and that moment they see each other for the first time and they don't know who they are right. they, ju- they just see each other and they feel in love and when they pass each other because she at that moment she rides her horse and run away and Khosrow goes to Armenistan to to meet Shirin, right. but both of them feels guilty that right. they are they're going to see another exactly. person but they, they fell in love yeah yeah I love it yeah Hmm. It is a beautiful story. <laughs> you should do something with that story. Maybe do a podcast or something. Oh, yeah, I, I thought about it. <laughs> Would you? It's it's been such a pleasure talking to you. Thank I you thank so you so much for guy. I've been wanting to have you on the show for a long time. It's really a great pleasure to have you here. Would you ever? Would you ever want to live in Iran again? I love Iran so much, but I don't think so. The, the way it is right now, they're making a life difficult for people. Hmm. Uh, if it gets better. Of course, that's a beautiful 
country with four seasons, and everyone speaks Farsi, and uh, and you can eat Iranian food as much as you want. <laughs> <laughs> you can do that in Toronto. Don't worry. It's, it's, well, it's, you, you, well, you you have to be in Iran and see what are I the know. like different kind of. I uh, wish. Yeah. Manaf Shajan, thank you. Thank it's you. been a pleasure. I look Same forward here. to listening to more of you and seeing more of you. Merci. Thank you so much. Banaf Shetahirian, an Iranian-Canadian writer, actress, voiceover artist. Uh, she narrates the ancient Persian story of Khosrow and Shirin on her podcast, Chai with Banaf or Chai with Banaf Uh Banaf Shetahirian joined me in the Rook studio today. Microphone's back on for Groovy Shia, Captain Reza, and the fabulous key on the whole team is here. Banaf Shia has left the studio, so I she's just, your, she mentioned I love, you, your buddy there. I yeah. love Banaf Shia. You know, I, she said it. I've had the pleasure of sharing the stage with her a few times, and that woman just, you hear her voice, and right away you know it's Banaf Shia. And the mm. way she recites po- Iranian poems, I don't understand what she's saying, but mm. just, oh, God, she was made for that. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and and uh, she mentioned that day at the memorial. We mm-hmm. uh, both of us. Uh, I shared the stage with her, and um, and I just wanted to commend her for her strength. She, that woman is just one of the strongest women I've come across. Mm-hmm. As soon as I walked on stage, I I broke down immediately. And mm-hmm. Benefsha had a student that she lost on that day, and mm-hmm. um, just the fact that she was able to do that, I. Mm-hmm. You know, amazing woman. You know, in terms of her podcast, Shia, one thing I, I can't get my head around the yes. fact that she writes, Yo. she's rewritten all of that oh. herself. Wow. Wow. <laughs> you yeah. know, I, that's that's pretty, that's, it's a lot. It's, you know, I sometimes think about people don't, you know, think, uh, when I feel sorry for myself, I think people don't know how much work we put into trying to do these yeah. shows, you know, in terms of research and, and all of that. You know, for her to write all of that and yes. you know make those podcasts herself it's it's a lot of work mm. that is pretty thankless you know nobody's getting paid exactly. big bucks to do that kind of a podcast exactly yeah I, I don't know how can i because i love what she's doing and i i i don't know how can i appreciate her her work other than listening and sharing with my people and mm. uh, it's amazing what she's doing it's mm. amazing it's very hard and she's doing very well because you know I, i'm very familiar with nezami and mm. and she's doing amazingly actually this. it was really interesting for me to learn through this process i mean mostly researching and then talking to her on this interview about nezami mm. because it occurs to me that nezami is the kind of Thing, the kind of um, person, the kind of uh, historical, you know, uh, figure. object figure that is a source of Persian pride for me. You know, rather than the tropes of we had this army that built, you know, that beat this army, and you know, yeah. uh, and we took over land, and th- this that that this guy, 
years before Shakespeare, mm. you know, was writing these stories yeah. centuries yeah. before I brought him up. Do you remember that on It's All Persian Us? I don't really listen. How when you dare you? Them, so. <laughs> did, did, don't you remember? My theory is that uh, Shakespeare oh, yeah. stole, oh, yes, you did. stole Romeo right. and Juliet yeah, from yeah, his story yeah. of Leili and Majnun. Yeah. Which is True. not the glad to know that you guys don't retain is, any. The story is Khosrow and Shirin. We're talking <laughs> right, about, but you know, Nezami is yeah. the writer. <laughs> Speaking of which, I was so uh, well, not so, but just a little bit embarrassed that I thought, like, I know of Leili Majnun's story, mm-hmm. but I thought Khosrow Shirin was another love story, and then Shirin of Arad is a completely separate one. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I had no idea oh. they were the same. You thought Shirin yeah, gets around, and she's in a number <laughs> of different stories. Might I remind it was just you, a different Shirin altogether. <laughs> Might remind you, Reza grew up in Iran. I know. That's, yeah, that's garbage. Yeah, I know. I didn't he doesn't know when the football team is <laughs> playing. He doesn't know. <laughs> I You're not this. Iranian, are you? You're a phony. <laughs> he's, like, he's done. He's done with that Iranian <laughs> stuff. I know. I know Iraqi. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. Stop. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, thank you to Benefit for coming in and for uh, and I agree, Shai. It's a great uh, it's a great opportunity. Uh, the the good news is for people who are interested in her podcast, it's been. Uh, She's pretty much done the whole series, so you can go back uh, and start from the beginning if you if you want to uh, give that a listen. Chai with Ben F. Shit. All right, it's Monday. It's our first show back after a while in terms of doing our our live programs, and so we've got a lot of letters to get to. It's time for letters of the week. Ah. Preserving my energy, I can't. I cannot partake in the the abdominal muscles it takes for him to do that. Good to be back. What do we got, Keon? So a few weeks ago, the mailbag is bursting. It is. (laughs) Let me get. Let me get started. Uh, So a few weeks ago, we had part thirteen of the Contemporary History of Iran series, and it was on the Republic of Mahabad. So we had Dr. Abbas Vali. He's a professor of modern social. Vali. Pardon me. Vali. A professor of modern social and political theory in the Department of Sociology at Bosphorus University. So he joined us to discuss the fascinating moment in Iranian history and a pivotal one, in fact, when the Kurds around the world joined in and. Well, it's a pivotal event for Kurds around the world. It was uh, the Iranian Kurds that, yeah, Mm -hmm. that briefly set up an independent republic. Yeah. In the northwest I, of Iran. By the way, I had no idea that this happened. Beauty of the series. Uh, so, Hani Aryan wrote, Great episode. I wrote a small research paper on the Kurdish diaspora years ago. What a story. Or an untold story, for that matter. Uh, thank you for this great discussion. Very happy for the acknowledgement of this great community. Nice. Thank, thank you, Hani. And then we have Morad Ruhi wrote saying, Thanks for organizing this amazing talk. The interviewer poses great questions, and the guest is an expert in the field indeed. Only the title of the program is too problematic. As Dr. Vali mentions, it was the Republic of Kurdistan, not Mahabad. In fact, the term the Republic of Mahabad was imposed on the phenomenon to belittle the scope of the Republic's vision. These political debates aside, historical phenomena have their own names, and one cannot rename them at will. It is kind of disappointing that such a great talk is published, regardless of the interviewee's heads up, with a very bad title. 
Wow. I didn't it's, know this. It's known by Republic it, of Bahabad. It is. It is. If you if you Google Re- Republic of Bahabad yeah. or if you Republic of Kurdistan, you get Republic of Bahabad. But I, I understand the, yeah, the, 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 the point. Thank you, Morad. And then Thank you for calling me the interviewer. <laughs> <laughs> you have no name. The, the first and only time the guys listen to the show. Yeah. Morad loves everyone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh. Oh, thank you, Kion. Thanks, Kion. Oh, sorry, for, uh, I'm, I'm very popular. I'm, I'm in the middle of sorry, the letters, it's my Kion. Agent. <laughs> Club. Uh, Shars, it's the National Ballet, actually. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> Jesus. Are my, is, are my box seats ready? Excuse me. Can everybody hold on while oh I check the phone? Oh, my God. Uh, anyway, moving on. Uh, Shahrazad Kamyab. The only good news is you can't give them all COVID because you've had it now. <laughs> I need. I'm gonna. I, I need to release a statement. I did not have COVID. I mean, I took seven tests, all negative. Anyway, yeah. moving on, Where did you including get these a tests? PCR test. Yes. All paid uh, for. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Shahzad Kamyab wrote to us saying, "Extremely enlightening, Professor Valley. Thank you." All right. And then Aman J. Salehi or Aman Salehi wrote saying. Thank you so much for this interview. It is kind of a fact about Republic of Kurdistan. Thank you, Professor Valley. There, uh, there were some people who had issues with the, the, that episode too, though, that didn't like, uh, that thought he was coming from a very pro-Kurdish um, nationalist perspective. I, I, you didn't find any, though, I, I thought I remember reading it. We'll, we'll find those letters. Yeah. We'll find those letters yeah. read them next week. Not we that, will. I mean, I... I don't want to take sides on it. I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I want to make sure that that viewpoint was uh, represented as well because I knew that there were a couple of people who wrote in and said this is a from the perspective of somebody, uh, which I mean, Dr. Valley is Kurdish, so mm-hmm. you know that makes sense. It's coming from a Kurdish perspective, but uh, I love that episode. It was a, such an education for yeah, me. Yeah, it was. I agree. Uh, and then a few weeks ago on episode 160, uh, we had The Plight of Persian Music, and it's uh, a new mini-series on Rook about the dysfunctional nature of the Iranian music business. And it is quite dysfunctional. Uh, we had guitarist, pr- producer, and industry veteran Bobak Khiyofchi, uh, who joined us to discuss several things, including music, the music scene in Iran before the revolution, the devastating effects of the Islamic Republic's censorship on creativity, on musical art, on and on and on but we have a Don <laughs> Holborn who joined joined us who wrote us a letter he joined <laughs> from us, yeah. somewhere uh, he says Persian music is mostly about the voice of the singer and the lyrics to call Farhad or Yarmoye rock artist is a bit exaggerated rock music is mostly related to the culture of where the artist lives Springsteen, for example, writes about his environment, working class mostly. Mellencamp tells the story of farmers and life in small towns. Or The Clash, who mix different types of music to tell their story. Why do we have to glorify something which has never existed? Farsi language is not made for doing rock music. I listened to Oham's album, just found it to be like a garage band trying to copy Western rock bands using well-known poems. Interesting. Hmm. A lot of opinions. I've said a lot on this show. I'm not going to say anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Well, good for you because it's time for Letter of the Week. So nothing to be said. Letter of the Week. 
Uh, yes. What? Letter of the week. Yes, yes yeah. it is the letter of yeah. the week. And uh, I should add that this gentleman got letter of the week a few weeks ago. But what? This, this letter is so good that I couldn't not I give him letter of the week again. Keon some compliments. Who, who is the, it's uh, yeah. my boyfriend writing letters. Hey, hey, under the Elias. Of hey, doctor, <laughs> stop it, man. Yeah. Other people to reassess the committee for letters of the week. <laughs> so, uh, selection, yeah. So the, right. a few weeks ago, so this gentleman's username on YouTube is one, but his he discloses his name in this letter. It's Kurush, actually. Okay. So Kurush, uh, you win letter of the week again. He writes, hello again, Rook team. My name is Kurush. Been living here in Iran for the past eight years. Oh, he lives in Iran. Yeah. And it's not Kurush. It's Kurosh. Kurosh. Yeah. <laughs> past eight years. And prior to that, I used to live in Austin, Texas. Yeah. I have got to say that I really love what you do as a team and I admire the quality of the show. Gian's mm. solid interviewing skills and his command through the entire process reminds me of some of my favorite journalists and well-known interviewers up there with the likes of Charlie Rose and Chris Cuomo. Mm, okay. I mean, I don't know if that's well, a compliment yeah, anymore. <laughs> hope I he does not I and mean, he does say <laughs> hope he does not mind the comparison. Okay. He dives deep and engages both the audience and the guest on the topic, all the while being unassuming and fair. Mm. Mr. Shia's timely remarks. Mr. Shia. Mr. Mr. Shia, Shia, indeed. Mr. Shia's timely remarks and sometimes recounting the memories of his past in Iran make for a wonderful conversation. That's true. Oh. Lady Keon is doing... Lady Keon. Yeah, I, I bet you any money that's why she chose it. She <laughs> loved that. Oh, go on, Damn go it, on. I lady. am a lady. <laughs> lady Keon. Lady Keon. Clearly a person who's never met Keon. Uh, that's true, uh, actually. <laughs> they call me the bulldozer on weekends. <laughs> lady no, you're very much... <laughs> Lady Keon, yes. <laughs> yes. Lady Keon is doing fantastic on It's All Persian to Us, even mm. though I don't do it anymore. I <laughs> haven't <laughs> written one in months, yeah. but thank you. Karosh. And, and Captain yeah. Reza brings warm humor into the mix and livens up the entire show. <laughs> That's it. I'm a joker. I know. That's all I can I know. Though. It's like, yeah. uh, I, I love Sir uh, Sir Shia's uh, brilliant work <laughs> and Lady Keon's amazing writing. And, uh, and Reza brings and some humor to the know, mix. His participation is great. Right. I like that gesture. Good job, buddy. And Keep also it up. good work to Reza. If that's his name. Give him participation uh, medal. And then he goes on saying, you guys are doing an amazing job all uh, around. That's a great letter. Thanks to the dedication of each and every member of the team, giving us, the listeners, a good dose of entertainment and education. I want to say keep it up and keep doing what you do, but there is no need because I am confident that you will. Aww. Beautiful. Thank you, no, Kurosh. Nice. Thank you, Kurosh. And th there is a need to say that. Uh, we, we, yeah, yeah. we have to <laughs> keep it up and keep doing what we do. Appreciate you saying that. Thank you so much. Thank you for the letters of the week, uh, Keon Jude, Lady Keon, as mm -hmm. we uh, know you. Mm -hmm. um, before we ended today, I, I just thought wanted to share with um, with you guys and with our audience uh, some sad news. Again, I mentioned at the, the, the top of the show, the sad news this weekend. It really, really broke my heart to hear this. Um, some months ago, you may remember that we had uh, Dr. Shaheen Nouri uh, on our program, an outstanding Iranian-American neurologist. He's the uh, um, founder, director of the Comprehensive Epilepsy Center at the New York Presbyterian Brooklyn Methodist Hospital. Um, you know, he was a true role model, dedicating himself to others in our community, even when he was told he only had a few weeks to live. So if you heard that episode, and um, we invite you to go back and listen to Dr. Shaheen if you have the chance, you know, he had um, 
a few weeks left. He'd been given a few weeks left to live unless he got a stem cell transplant. And uh, this was one of those moments where we we discussed how it really is important. You know, sometimes we talk about well, what's the relevance of being Iranian and why divide things and you know talk about race or ethnicity and the fact that he really needed a a stem cell transplant from a fellow Iranian to be able to survive. And we kind of knew that the the window was closing on that, and the reason he wouldn't find one, despite there being some 80, 90 million Iranians around the world, is that there's no organized stem cell bank. There's no, mm-hmm. there's no um, institution uh, that is collecting stem cell research uh, and identities um, when it comes to the Iranian community. So um, he did not find the transplant, and he passed away this weekend. I guess Sad. he was in his late 50s, young yeah, guy. Very young, very young. Uh, and it was really sad because mm-hmm. you, you, everything I've ever heard about this man, and you know, we have some friends who are, who were dear friends, uh, yeah. went to school with him and, yeah. and, uh, and said, he's just always been this gem, you know, and he, uh, even as he was living his final weeks, his priority was this campaign for others, you know, mm-hmm. to, to try and find, uh, stem cell transplant uh, transplants and, and, and create a bank you know um, an organized stem cell bank in Iran and for the broader Iranian community so here's hoping that his memory will be an inspiration mm-hmm. for all of us to take up his selfless campaign and keep it going yeah. and um, and surely he will he will live in our in our memories and in our community's memories and and uh, uh, we must always speak his name because he was just a, a, a remarkable guy and such a warm, you know, up until just a couple, few weeks ago on social media, I would post something, you'd write a warm message, mm-hmm. very supportive, um, uh, incredibly selfless in the face of what he was struggling with. Um, mm-hmm. uh, rest in peace, Dr. Shahi Nuri. Rest in peace. Rest, rest in peace, Dr. Peace, Nuri. Yeah. Rest in peace. He, he, I, I remember his interview, it was a very lovely interview and he's a very kind man and yeah and even, and even in his in in his interview I, r- I recall he mentioned that this is this is not just for me it's for a, it, the the vision is greater than just yeah. me and the, this initiation is is for the Iranian the global Iranian community for the diaspora essentially so hopefully it'll continue absolutely uh rest in peace Dear Dr. Shaheen Nuri. It's full time for Rook for today. Our website, rookmedia.com, rookmedia.com, where you can become a patron of our program as well. Thanks to the amazing team who put this show together Savvy Roham, talented Anahita, Ponta the Artist, the fabulous Keon, Super Parisal, Rai Mertad, Captain Reza, and Groovy Shaya. Thank you to all of you out there for supporting us and sharing our content. Please subscribe. If you haven't done so already on any or all of our platforms, you can find me on Instagram at Gian Gomeshi Mizun Machine.